you know, I think Satan is really, he loves to break things. He loves to steal, kill, and destroy. And he is out to steal and kill and destroy our lives, our marriages, our relationships, our walks with God. All of those things is, is very much the way he, you know, he intends. Um, it's interesting. If you look at developed nations, if you look at divorce statistics all around the world, one of the things that jumps out very apparently or very just easily is that developed nations actually have significantly higher rates of divorce than lower income nations or even poverty nations. And there's a lot of reasons, there's a lot of things that go on that make up those statistics, but, but I, I find it interesting because here we are in the land of the free, home of the brave, we have all the freedoms, we have all the privileges, we have, you know, we have material wealth that is almost unprecedented throughout history. If you look at the generation that is living now, we have more stuff or we have more easy access to stuff than ever in the history of the world, bar none. I mean, we've got stuff. We've got jobs that are, that you might not like your job, but yet if you go to another country, a, a, an undeveloped country, and you realize the jobs that people have to live through and, and they go to work and the things that they do and the, the amount of work that they put in versus what they can take home, it is, it is totally a different story. We have wealth, we have jobs, we have relationships. You can go around, you can pick the person you want to marry. Isn't that cool? <laughs> That's pretty awesome, right? You get your, your pick of the litter, right? <laughs> we have all of these things, yet we have one of the highest divorce rates. The United States has one of the highest divorce rates in the entire world. And yet we're, we're this, you know, nation that is founded on Christian values. And, and you know, there's, there's something going on that just doesn't make sense there. I remember in my, my youthful days when I w was a little bit younger, um, I was talking to somebody about divorce and scripture and the Bible and the word of God. And this person was, was pretty hostile towards the Bible. And, they, and he was like, God doesn't allow for divorce because, you know, but look at all these people that are broken and what if, what if this person's getting beaten and, and physically abused and, you know, God just, like he was just ranting at God's word and trying to point out how foolish it was. And so in my haste to like defend God, I felt like, like I hadn't studied in depth scripture, but I felt like I had to defend God and I felt like I had to like stand up for the word of God and like show that it wasn't that way. And so I made these kind of silly arguments like, well, if there was, you know, physical abuse going on, I'm sure God would have an exception for that. You know, I'm, I'm sure. And we're going to talk about this later. But as you read scripture, you realize scripture is actually, it, it's, not, it's not an easy message. It's not a pleasant read when it comes to these things. It's not, it's not roses and flowers, you know, but yet it is truth. And so, um, we're going to go ahead and uh, start talking about, so what does scripture say about, uh, about adultery and divorce versus what does our culture say about it? So I'm going to read from Matthew 5, verses 27 through 32. Starts this way. It says, um, this is Jesus speaking. Uh, he says, you have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out, throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if, y if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. 
It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go to hell. Verse 31, it says, um, It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. That's some pretty serious stuff. I, I have to say, you know, Jesus, he didn't really beat around the bush a whole lot. You know, he didn't, he didn't like spend hours trying to develop his case for things. He just kind of cut straight to the heart of things. Um, I don't know if you guys notice, but let, let's just be honest. Has anybody here ever struggled with lustful thoughts? Come on, raise your hand. I'm raising my hand. I'm raising two hands. <laughs> it, it, it's, you know, w- so, so according to what I'm reading right here, Jesus is saying it's not the act of adultery that matters. It's what's in your heart that matters. And so Jesus is setting the bar so high that if we're honest with ourselves, we, most of us probably fall miserably short. And Jesus knows that. He's not trying to do this as a guilt trip. You'll see in a little while what, that there's some, he, Jesus is really smart actually. <laughs> it's kind of, you know, God. Um, but, but so Jesus sets the bar so high that people hear this and they're like, whoa, this is, this is pretty, pretty rough stuff. Um, so most men, you know, struggle with, 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 at times, thought life and stuff. Some women struggle with it. Um, modern advertising. All right. Who here is going to watch the Super Bowl? All right, guys. Ladies, are y'all ready to see a lust fest? Modern, absolute flesh just thrown. They don't call it the boob tube for nothing. All right. This is primetime TV. You're going to get to see the most, you know, just the raw truth of how lost the world is right in your living room. <laughs> I'm just trying to speak honestly, okay? But when I was younger, I remember one time Emily and I, after we got married, we went to a Super Bowl party, and they have some really provocative ads on, on, on during Super Bowl time, and, and it was pretty awkward, to be totally honest, you know? It's just like you're standing there, and all of a sudden, there's like, almost naked women just dancing across or doing whatever. And it's like, whoa, you know, it's, it's, that, that's our culture. It permeates our culture everywhere. Sex, you guys heard the term sex sells? Yeah? I mean, people will inject sex content into things because they think it makes profits higher. They literally will do that. Um, how about the internet? You guys know what the most visited websites on the internet are more than netflix more than amazon more than so google is probably the most visited but as far as like streaming content more than anything else is pornography more than any other type of internet content is pornography Our, our culture is addicted to lustful thinking and just letting our minds go down the gutter and, and it's hard because we live in a culture where sex is everywhere. Um, how about uh, 
Is anybody here married? If you're married, hold your hand. Raise your hand. All right. If you're not married and one day you want to get married, raise your hand. All right. There's a few folks here. That's good. Let's go. Okay. All the boys, raise your hands. All the girls, raise your hands. Okay. Look around. See who's, who's holding their hands. <laughs> We're going to do a little matchmaking tonight. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> our culture is pretty whacked when it comes to marriage and romance, guys. When I was dating Emily, I remember um, I was at UTSA and I was like, I was like, you know, I was Twitter-pated. I was like all just in love. And I remember I was telling, telling a guy in a lab, I worked with uh, another engineer and I was like, man, I, I, she's, you know, I was telling her, all, telling him this, why I thought she was the most wonderful thing. And, and then I, I had actually just recently decided that I was going to propose to Emily. And so I, I told my friend this, who, who was a pretty good friend. He was not a believer. And um, his response was, he looked at me and he said, he said, what is she like in bed? That was the first words that came out of his mouth when I told him that I wanted to marry her. Literally, the very first thing he said. And this was a pretty smart guy, you know, as far as the world is concerned. This is a guy with a, a good education. He, he was a master's student. He was, you know, and, and yet, how many times do you see that, like, this whole thing, are you compatible? You know, you hear that expression. I don't, I don't know what the modern slang is nowadays, but I remember when I was in college, people were like, oh, you got to make sure you're compatible in bed. You know, you got to, like, try it out. You know, drive, test drive the car or whatever. There, You know, just all this nonsense. So I have a question. This is, like, one of the most important, to, to people that don't know Christ, this is one of the most important things is, like, what's the person like in bed? This is, like, one of the main, for, for sure for guys. Girls, maybe not. But for sure for guys, they think, okay, what's this person like in bed? Can anybody tell me how much time the average couple spends having sex? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to be, I'm just being real tonight. It's not a huge percentage of your life, guys. It's, it's, it's great, it's wonderful, but it's not a huge percentage, okay? So if you take this thing that is not a huge percentage of your life and you make that the deciding factor of who you are going to marry, do you think there's a problem there? You are setting yourselves up for, for just bad things to happen. And so I, I want to say, I will say though, by God's grace, that when you honor God in your courtship or in your relationships and you put God first, the beautiful thing is you get the bonus, the blessing of God's design for sex, which is way better than what the world has come up to, you know, developed or the world's thing. So just, just throwing that out there. So, you know, I, I once heard somebody say, say, well, if you get married and, and you don't know, like, you know, how to do it, then what are you going to do? I'm like, dude, it's a guy. It's a girl. What do you think? <laughs> Adam and Eve figured it out. Come on. <laughs> you know, it's like... <laughs> That's not a big, I, I'm sure, don't worry. <laughs> there are books, guys. There's Christian books that talk about it that are really good. So I can recommend them. I, I have a list. <laughs> but anyway, um, <laughs> so, so the point is, you know, our culture makes decisions based on lust, which is not God's way of doing things, you know. And, and, and because our culture makes decisions based on lust, it has really, horrible ramifications down the road because 
I guarantee you that the feelings that people build relationships on when you first start into a relationship and you have all those rosy feelings and Emily, what is that called? That limerence? Limerence. There's actually a psychological term called limerence where they've studied like your hormones rush and you, you, you know, you like all these crazy things happen. And, um, and that doesn't last forever. Like that's a, it's a temporary thing. And if, but yet the world says, if, if you're going to marry this person, you need to be like feeling all these, you know, this is like how you know you're in love if you, you know, all this stuff. But, but yet people know that doesn't last. And so then they get married based on these feelings and a year or two, five, actually a five year mark is pretty common. They find that all the feelings are gone and everything. And they're like, well, I guess I'm not in love anymore. Um, so p- problems happen. But anyway, um, God's ways are much better. We'll find that out here in just a minute. Um, so marriage, um, is marriages that are founded upon the wrong foundations are going to have problems. Uh, many, many have s- struggled in these areas. Jesus made, Jesus, in the, in the start of this verse, Jesus made it really clear. He, first of all, he said, it's not the physical actions that count. It's what's in your heart that counts. But then second, he, he said something that I thought was really interesting. He said, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out, right? How many people have one eye around here? Wait a second. Okay, then he said, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Is anybody here missing limbs, hands? No? So Jesus, I think he was speaking in hyperbole here to make a point. Um, he, he was basically saying, look, if there's something in your life that is causing you to sin, get rid of it. Don't play games with sin. You know, if, if, it's, if it's a computer and you can't stand the temptation that comes with that, get rid of it. If it's a phone, there's tons of ways you can change your phone so that, that you're not tempted in those ways. There, you know, basically, God is saying, look, whatever causes that temptation in your life, deal with it. Get rid of it. So I hope tonight, if, if there are, you know, if we're, if we're honest with ourselves and there's things that we can kind of step back and say, hey, am I struggling in these areas? Don't just let it continue to just kind of accidentally continue to propagate and happen, but do what it takes to get rid of it. Fine, guys, I would be happy to, to be accountable with any of you men here tonight. And if you're a woman, there's, there's awesome. I will even volunteer Emily. Um, there, there's a lot of ladies here that would be happy to, you know, Wes and the elders and, and everybody. So don't, don't fight those battles alone. Um, God created us to be in community. So, so that was, that's adultery. It says, if it's causing you to sin, get rid of it. It's in your heart. Don't, you know, let's not play games. So how about divorce? Let's, uh, let's talk about divorce. So I'm going to reread the part about divorce. This is starting in verse 31. It says, um, it has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, makes her the victim of adultery. And anyone who marries a divorced woman commits adultery. Man, that is pretty direct stuff. So in order to kind of unpack this, first I want to just say a few words about marriage. Because there's, there's, in our culture, there's some really uh, problematic views of what marriage is. In our culture, a lot of people tend to think that marriage is going to a courthouse and getting a paper document or going to a church and standing before a priest. 
But in God's view, that is not what marriage is, guys. You know, Adam and Eve didn't have a courthouse. They didn't have a priest. But God very clearly said that they were joined together and that no man should separate them. In God's eyes, when Adam and Eve came together, they were married. That was, that was God's design for marriage. And so when we have a culture that looks at marriage as being like, ah, oh, you know, I don't have that paper certificate, so I'm not going to you know, worry about it. That causes massive problems because in our culture, we have people, there's a spiritual significance of, of intimacy um, that I can't quite explain, but I know it's real, and I know God is very, very clear about it, that it's only to be shared by a, by a man and a wife in the context of marriage. That's God's design for marriage, and anything outside of that is, 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 is going against God's plan. And, and I'm not trying to speak out of condemnation, because I... I know it can be hard sometimes. You know, being, being a human that is stuck in a physical body is a challenge. Like, I, I, I would love to say I never struggle with temptation, but I, I can't say that. I, I, temptation is a real thing that, by God's grace, he helps me to fight those battles. But, but I know that it is hard, um, but yet I can promise you it is a battle that is worth fighting every bit of and, and doing whatever it takes. And so um, please don't, don't misunderstand when I, when I say these things. Um, so our culture says marriage not, isn't really forever. You know, basically our culture has this kind of try it out. If it doesn't work, oh, well, too bad. You know, throw it away. This kind of throwaway mentality where in God's eyes, marriage is forever on this earth. You know, it's not some, some religions teach that, oh, you're going to go to heaven and have five wives and all these weird things. But that's not scripture. That's not the Bible at all. Um, God says in heaven that there is no husband and wife, that we're going to be one family, uh, which is a beautiful, awesome, wonderful thing. But on this earth, God definitely says marriage is forever. Um, as long as you're getting, so this is another thing. As, uh, people, our culture says, as long as you're getting with what you want, cool. If it's not, oh, oh well. Um, here's some things that, that I've heard outside the church and even inside the church um, that maybe you guys probably have heard some of these things too. It says, have you ever heard somebody say, oh, man, I married the wrong person? Yeah, I've heard that. That's a very real. I woke up one morning, and I was like, Lord, what happened? Where, where, how did I get here? You know, people, that happens. I, I know I'm kind of joking about it, but that actually is a real thing. People have those thoughts. That's, that's, uh, that's, I mean, people think that. But by God's grace, we're, we're going to talk about that a little bit more here soon. Um, how about, have you ever heard somebody say, I love someone else. I'm no longer in love with this person, but I love somebody else. I remember I went to, uh, I went to Romania one year to visit some missionaries there that were a family that I loved dearly. They were just a wonderful family. Uh, they had been in Romania for like 10 years and... Uh, it was an interesting trip. Um, I could tell you a lot of funny stories, but I'll just try to skip those, <laughs> get straight to the point. After I visited the family about a year later, um, I got an email saying that the father, who was somebody I really looked up to and just admired, uh, had decided to leave his family because he was in love with another woman that, that was a younger woman. And, and it just, man, it just like getting the guts ripped out of you. You know, just you hear this of these go of a godly man doing this. And then, Later on, I, I remember a, um, 
another missionary that I knew um, that was in, in Mexico, just a, a really godly guy that, that was doing awesome things for the Lord there. I didn't know him really well, but I, he would come to conferences in the States and I would visit with him and um, found out he had left his family for, you know, thinking that he, he was going somewhere else for love, you know? And the sad thing is, this, this is real in our church. This happens in our church, guys. All around the world, this is something, a real challenge. But yet God's plans are so much better. If you ever find yourself doubting or questioning, you know, having these questions, I promise you that those thoughts are not of God and that you need to submit, you know, try to ask God to help you with those thoughts and then find somebody to talk to about it that is a, that is a person that will give you godly counsel and help you through those things. Don't just battle those, those thoughts alone. Have you ever heard it said, um, we're no longer in love? You know, we fell in love and then we fell out of love. Like, you know, you just tripped on something. That happens. People are like, yeah, you know, oh well. <laughs> Sorry. Um, have you heard people say, I'm so unhappy, this can't be God's will? Yep. Yeah, that's a real, I mean, can you imagine being stuck in a marriage where, where you never experience any happiness? It's just, it's just challenge after challenge after challenge. That would be really hard. Um, but yet God has a plan even for those marriages. Um, sometimes you hear people say, we're incompatible. Uh, we have grown apart. Or sometimes you hear about financial differences. Uh, sometimes you'll people say, well, we're not married in God's eyes, you know. <laughs> I'm not sure exactly how they come up with that conclusion, but... Um, <laughs> so we already talked about in God's eyes what marriage is. So even if you don't have a court you know, c- certificate or you stood before a priest, I think God might, might say otherwise. Um, or sometimes you hear people say, well, they're not saved. You know, I married somebody that's not a Christian and they live in the world and they're just doing their own thing. Um, so First Peter 3 says, wives, in the, same way, um, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be, may be won over without words or the behavior um, of their, or by the behavior of their wives. So basically God is saying, look, if you're married to somebody that is not a believer, you should be submissive to them, even like you should submit to Christ, because you have a direct impact on their lives. You know, you can absolutely speak truth and be an example of godliness and righteousness to that person. I had a really good friend in, in uh, college. Um, his mom was married to a guy for 25-something years who was not a believer. He would go to church with him like once or twice a year just to kind of support her, but he was very clearly not a believer. And she prayed and wept on her knees for him for 25 years. She just poured out her heart before the Lord. And guys, after 25 years, he came to Christ. And it was the most beautiful thing to watch. Just a genuine transformation in his heart. Some people would have, may have said, ah, oh, you know, throw in the towel. Don't, don't keep fighting that fight. Or, you know, but 25 years, guys, that's a long time. But yet God, you know, did an awesome thing so we serve a forgiving God. Um, so some people say we serve a forgiving God. He will forgive me. Um, 
Or sometimes they put it another way. They say, and this is about divorce. It, you know, oh, God will forgive me. Um, we are living under grace and we serve a God of love. So let's not get legalistic. You know, the people will say that kind of thing. Well, let me read a script, couple scriptures that talk about that. So this is, um, this is 1 John 3, 9. It says, no one born of God makes um, a practice of sinning. For God, uh, for God's seed is in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. So I just want to make make a comment here. It talks about. Um, I'll reread the start. It says, no one born of God makes a practice of sinning. So sometimes when you look at sin, there's a sin that is called habitual sin. I don't know if you guys have ever heard that term, but basically habitual sin is where you just kind of, you just like, ah, you know, you just keep doing it again and again and again. You're not trying to fight it. You're not trying to overcome it. You're not even sometimes convinced that it is sin. And that, that's what is being talked about in the scripture. It's not talking about where you fight sin and occasionally you stumble and fall. Um, it's talking about you just live in sin constantly and make a practice of it. Um, so as Christians, God calls us to run away from temptation, run away from sin. But at the same time, when we do fall into sin, God is full of grace and, and desiring to re- you know, reconcile us unto him. So here's another one. This is, this is from Romans 6. Um, you guys probably heard this one, verses 1 and 2. It says, What then shall we say? And this is talking about how we should live you know, with grace versus the law and sin. It says, What sh- then shall we say? What then? What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? By no means. We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? So Paul was really clear. He's like, Guys, if you just walk around thinking that you know, you can just do, commit sin and just, it'll be okay, then something is wrong. Like there's, there's not, something is unhealthy in your life with, in your walk with God. And so obviously with divorce, it's the same thing. We can't just say, oh, well, God will just forgive me. Um, Divorce is no, some people say divorce is no worse than other sins. Whoa, that's a kind of a dangerous thing to say. (laughs) Um. Obviously, sin is sin, right? Any sin will keep us, will separate us from God. That's very true. But there are also sins that have bigger impacts in our lives than others. That is for sure. And when you use that logic, you could, you could say, well, I mean, you can justify anything then. <laughs> you, you can use it to say, well, you know, I'm, I don't know, I'm, I like that car outside. You know, it's like stealing a piece of gum. I'm going to go grab the keys and steal somebody's car. You know, you can do things, like you can start justifying any of your behaviors. So that line of logic is just extremely unhealthy and probably not so wise. What about this one? He, she is physically abusive. Have you guys ever seen uh, relationships where either the, the husband or the wife actually is physically abusive? Man, guys, my heart goes out to people that live in those relationships. Um, this... I'm specifically saying physically abusive, but there is also emotional abuse, psychological, verbal abuse. There's a lot of types of abuse that take place in marriages. And I would say the first thing is God does not call you to just live in that abusive environment and just tolerate it. 
That is not God's plan. So the first thing I would say is if that happens, you need to, you or whoever that's happening to needs to get help. You know, we have l very clear laws in this country about those types of things. And, and I would say finding somebody to help you, whether it's going to somebody in the church, going to somebody that you trust and can confide in, um, getting godly counsel is so, so important. But God doesn't call you to live in those uh, environments. God may even open the door or actually the appropriate thing may be to get separated from that person, but not with the goal of divorcing them, but with the goal of getting separated until the situation can be resolved in a healthy manner. Um, you might even need to get a restraining order. You know, I've, I've seen situations where people get so frustrated and, and angry that they'll, that they've had to actually, you know, have a police do restraining orders. And, and after time, God, Praise God that things can change and God can bring healing. Um, later on, I'm going to show you, uh, we'll see a little bit of video of, of just God, how he, his plans are so much better than ours. He, he heals in a, an amazing way. But my point is, God might not sanction divorce in those situations. God certainly, he doesn't in scripture. There's nothing in scripture that says that God tolerates or permits divorce for, for physical abuse. Um, even though when I was young, I kind of thought in the back of my mind, it's got to be in there somewhere. It's got to be in there. Um, I couldn't find it. So if, if, if you guys know of it, maybe you can tell me. But, um, but God's plan is not for you to live in that abusive environment. I think that's important to, to make sure you know that. Um, what about, oh, here's one. Woo, what about this one? He committed mental adultery. He or she caught them watching porn. It's adultery, right? Jesus said it was adultery. I've seen wives get so angry with their husbands that they, they use that to justify wanting to file for divorce. Um, and in God's eyes, in, in it, the, heart, the action is very clear. It's, it's, it's adultery. But I would also say, let's put it in the context of what Jesus was talking about, right? Jesus also said, if you think evil thoughts towards somebody, you're a murderer. Should we take those people that are thinking evil thoughts and go try them in a court for murder? Probably not. <laughs> Jesus said, in the same context, he said, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. Should we walk around with spoons plucking out people's eyes when we catch them watching something that is probably not appropriate? <laughs> I don't think Jesus was talking about that. Just likewise, I don't think Jesus would say when you commit the act of adultery in the heart that that is licensed to just go down to the courthouse and, and file for divorce. I don't think that's God's plan. Now, people are free to, you, I, this is my interpretation of the text. So if, if you see otherwise, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to talk about it. Um, but, but I think God wants us to fight for marriages and it's really clear time and time. Again, throughout scripture, God says, I hate divorce. You know, I don't want it. It's not part of my plan. It was never part of my plan. Um, so, I remember one of the cha most challenging things in my life was when I was engaged to Emily, I had to confess to her that I, I, had, I had gone online and, and looked at pornography when we were engaged. Man, that was, that was tough. I was m getting ready to marry the love of my life, and I just, just the flesh overcame me or I let it overcome me, whatever you want to say. And I had to go to her and say, sweetheart, you're about to marry a guy that 
I, I, I wish I could say I have 100% control over my temptations, and that's my goal, that's my dream, but, but I, I, I've struggled in that area. That's, that's a, it's a hard thing for me. And, and probably one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen is she, she listened to me. She didn't get angry at me. She didn't get frustrated. She just, she loved, she was full of grace. She didn't dismiss what I had done. But she said, Jody, you know, I love you the way God has created you. And I understand that this might be something that is hard for you in your life. But I love you just all that I love you. And I'm not going to, that's not going to change my love for you. I'm not going to stop loving you because you have a temptation in that area. You know, she, she basically applied the, she said, you know, I've been forgiven much. And I want to live my life forgiving others much. And that just... I don't know if you've ever felt like the love of Christ coming through somebody and just like literally coming through that person and just just touching, like just literally. I, f- I, I, I was overwhelmed and, and humbled with, with gratitude and just, just love of God and just thankfulness that this, this beautiful woman of God that I was going to marry um, didn't, didn't jump to judgment and to... to condemnation um it definitely didn't, it bothered her obviously <laughs> um but yet she gave it to the lord and she didn't hold that on on herself as something that you know uh, that was just that was one of the times in my life i felt god really just in a very real way um so many people say that divorce brings freedom that's that's a lie that we hear commonly um I was reading this one commentary <laughs> and they said, they said, people say divorce brings freedom. And then they said, that is more, um, that that is more, basically that, 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 is, that is akin to the serpent's lie when he went to Adam and Eve in the garden. That basically that's a modern day version of, of Satan coming in and telling people that, hey, just get out of this, you'll have freedom. Divorce guys has so many consequences even if you're in a hard hard place and if you are we're going to talk about a, a ministry in a little while that i would love to uh to well, i'm excited to tell you guys about but um but god doesn't want you to live in that place so loving living so what does bring what does actually bring freedom living according to god's word uh provides true freedom freedom doesn't come from you know, being quote-unquote free to do whatever you want with whomever you want, whenever you want. Um, the freedom of a clean conscience, freedom from the tyranny and consequences of sin, and freedom uh, to enjoy God's love, that is what God intends for freedom. And that is way better than anything this world can offer. So here's just a few facts to, to tell you. Um, divorce has big consequences, guys. So fact number one, um, divorced men are 39% higher, uh, or 39%, they suffer from depression 39% more than married men. So basically when you get a divorce, you, there's a good chance that depression could set in and be a part of, of the lasting effects of that. 
Here's another interesting one. Divorced men undergo psychiatric care 10 times more often than married men. Some men might say, but she's crazy. <laughs> if you, you know, I'm sorry. In every marriage, there's probably times when husbands and wives think each the, uh, the, the other person's crazy. <laughs> that's, that's kind of a part of life, but it passes. <laughs> it doesn't stay that way. Papu, did you ever think Mamu was crazy? Uh, I can't answer. <laughs> <laughs> good, good response. <laughs> good response. Um, I mean, sometimes marriage is tough, guys. Marriage is, is can be challenging, but marriage is also so awesome. It's wonderful. Um, here's another interesting one. So people say, oh, I'm going to divorce this person. I'm going to go marry this other person, the love of my life, whatever. So statistically, around 40, some people say up to 50% of marriages today will end in divorce. It's kind of that that is kind of debated. It's actually been declining a little recently, but I think the main reason it's declining is because people actually aren't getting married. And so the statistics kind of a little skewed. At least they're not getting married in the world's eyes. Um, clarify. So second marriages, here we go. This is interesting. So people leave the first one and say, I'm going to get something better, right? Second ones are um, 67, almost 70% of the time don't work out way divorce goes way up how about third marriages right third time is the charm ever heard that I guess 73 75 percent of third marriages end in divorce so i think the thing to understand is that merit you know when you walk if you choose to walk away from the person that you're married to chances are it's not going to get any better um, even though at the time you might think it will scripture only gives two there's only two reasons that scripture may i'm going to say this very carefully may permit where divorce may be permittable Um, but first i want to say this is from malachi 216 it says i this is the lord speaking he says i hate divorce says the lord god of israel you know god's plan for for marriage was was never for divorce to be part of it um but the two times that, that we've already read about one under the act of adultery, which I would, I would emphasize the way I read that is that it's physical adultery, not mental adultery. Um, but even if you're in a marriage where adultery has taken place, there is hope if you turn to God. There is definitely hope. We're going to see a little video here in a minute that, that talks about that. Um, the other one is found where, where Paul is writing to the Corinthians and he says, um, this is in, in 1 Corinthians 7, 12 through 15. Um, it says, <clears throat> to, the rest, uh, uh, to the rest I say this, I, not the Lord, so Paul is speaking, if any brother has a wife who is not a believer and she is um, willing to, le- to live with him, he must not divorce her. So if you're married to an unmarried person. Um, and if a woman has a husband who is not a believer and he is willing to live with her, she must not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband has been sanctified through his wife and the unbelieving wife has been sanctified through her believing husband. Otherwise, your children b- would be unclean. But as it is, they are holy. But if the unbeliever leaves let him do so. 
A believing man or woman is not bound in such circumstances. So basically, Paul is saying, if you're in a marriage and you're married to an unbeliever, stick it out. Fight for that marriage. Do what it takes. Pray. Give it to God. But if that unbelieving person leaves and goes off and does other things, chances are, spiritually, they're going to commit adultery and other things. Um, then it kind of, then God, at least Paul, in this context, he says that the, you're not bound to, to stay on, in that covenant. Um, so that's the only two exceptions. Um, note that divorce was never part of God's plan. Later on, Jesus talks in Matthew 19, um, the Pharisees come to him and they're, they're, they're kind of messing with him and they're trying to catch him off guard. And they, um, basically, he, re he repeats, um, here, I'll just read this. This is um, Matthew 19, verses, starting in verse 3. Some Pharisees came to him to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife or, or any, uh, for any and every reason? And then Jesus replied, he said, haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and, the, and be united with his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. So Jesus was pretty clear. He said, hey, what about all these reasons for divorce? And Jesus said, look, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Pretty, pretty clear. But they pushed. They said, um, why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality, and marries another woman, commits adultery. <laughs> the disciples said to him, if this is the situation between a husband and wife, it is better not to get married. <laughs> Which actually Paul later on talks about that. Um, I might argue with the disciples and Paul because I kind of, I, I, I love being married. But, um, but Jesus replied, not everyone can accept this word. In other words, this is a tough teaching. But only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who were born that way. And there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by others. And there are those who choose to live like eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Paul being a good example. Um, the one who can accept this should accept it. So I'm like, as we read through this, guys, this is, this is not easy. Like if, if people are in broken marriages and you go to them and you read these scriptures and you say, look, God's plan for marriage is this. This is a hard thing for people to, to accept. It's a hard pill to swallow, so to speak. Um, but let's talk about how God and truth um, turn conventional wisdom on its head. Um, some people think that they're kind of smarter than God. I know there's been times where I thought I've been smarter than my parents when I was growing up. Have you guys ever done that? You think, I know more than my mom and dad. I got to know more. Well, when you get to be an adult, you start realizing, maybe I didn't know quite as much as I thought I knew when I was a kid. But then with our relationship with God, that dynamic happens a lot where we think we know more than God and, and we know better and all these things. But um, uh, I'm guessing God probably knows a lot more than we are. I think it's safe to say that. 
Um, some say, you know, there's the saying, look, don't touch. Have you ever heard that? That is so far away from God. Uh, we, I was watching the news one time and I saw a news anchor and they were talking about like infidelity and, and so this news anchor was like, well, everybody cheats, you know, I mean, it's just like in passing. In, in, in the world, guys, um, adultery is actually probably more common than people, like pe nobody wants to admit it. Like it's one of those kind of dirty little secrets that people don't talk about. But when you, people that don't know the Lord and even in churches, unfortunately, that's the sad thing. Um, adultery is more common than people realize. Um, and, it, and that's the sad truth, I think. Um, in school, people are taught, this is the secular view of sex. You know, people are taught that it's kind of like the mechanical, physical interaction where you two people make each other feel good and, hey, if they're consenting, then, hey, why not, you know? That's kind of, that's the world's way of looking at it. But God's ways, guys, whoo, sex outside of marriage is empty. It is, it is, you know, if, if sex, if that was what sex was and it was like good, you know, just the mechanical interaction between two people, do you think like people that work in the pornography industry would have like really good lives, sex lives maybe? I mean, they claim to. I don't know if you've ever seen like interviews with people that have come out of that darkness, but they describe it as basically being a living, breathing hell. When God sets them free from that, they say it, it was hell. There was no freedom. There was no, you know, it's like, it's like literally being a slave, right captured in front of a camera, um, being a slave to sin. And, and so if it's just the mechanical interaction between people, <laughs> they should have full life, you know, their lives should be like something happening, but it's not. They have the most empty, broken love lives of, of people probably in our, in our culture, in our society. And that's just my subjective statement. Um, so God's way, you know, God's design for sex, um, I would say people are settling for something that is, have, has anybody ever picked up fool's gold? Have you ever seen that? It looks kind of cool, doesn't it? You know, on the surface, it looks like, wow, it's kind of sparkly and it's kind of sort of heavy. Like on the surface, it looks kind of neat. That's like what our culture has bought into as being real gold. Like they believe, and when, when fool's gold is all you know, then that's, that's, that's your only point of reference. And so you will hear people talking over, you know, coffee talk, the, the cooler, whatever, bragging about, the great sex they had over, you know, whatever, this and that, and da, 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 da. And then you get to know those people. Like I hang out, I love spending time with people that don't know the Lord. I, I love it. I, I, there's guys, it, it is so neat. God has opened the door for me to spend time at work with, with, with people that don't know the Lord. And I love talking to them and just hearing, hearing about their lives. And, and you quickly realize that they are hurting inside. Even if they say things that, that, that make their buddies like, yeah, give you a slap on the back or whatever, they are hurting, guys. The, 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 this, this lie that Satan portrays that like, yeah, just, you know, go have some sex and whatever. It's fool's gold. It is so fake. It is so empty. Um, people that, that go around bragging about that, it's, I think they believe what they're saying, but that's all they know. So if that's all you know, you know, I'm blessed to live and in, in, to be married to a wonderful woman that, that loves the Lord. And all I can say, guys, is that when you do things God's way, it works out really good.
okay? <laughs> it's worth it. It's hard. I remember on our wedding, on our wedding day, um, there was a young man that I had been spending some time with um, that uh, came to our wedding, and and uh, I knew I knew this guy was struggling with with choosing to follow God or live in the world and stuff. And man, I just remember I would I would I just I went up to him and I was like, man, like Emily and I, it was we have a kind of a funny story which I'll try to I'll give you the one minute version. Um, when Emily first met me, she was not she was not Twitter pated with me at all. She. <laughs> <laughs> to put it nicely, she said, I kind of see you like a brother. <laughs> you know, she didn't want to have anything to do, anything other than just, you know, just friends. Just friends, guys, just friends. <laughs> and <laughs> that was really challenging for me because I was like, oh, I, I like you. <laughs> um, but, um, but it was so God because she, for a year and a half, I, I just gave it to the Lord and I just said, God, you know, if your will is one day for her heart to change, Praise God. And I actually, I don't know, I felt like pretty confident in my heart. I don't know why. I felt confident in my heart. God one day, God was saying, Jody, just be patient. Don't worry, the time will come. And so for a year and a half, I, I kind of just tried to like, give it to the Lord as much as I could, although I was very tempted to kind of take it back constantly, you know. Um, <laughs> take control. <laughs> um, but, but after about a year and a half, um, we, the Lord just did something in her life. And actually, Emily will even tell you when she first met me, she thought that, that, that I was probably the guy she was going to marry. She kind of, the Lord just kind of put that in her heart, even though, even though she kind of went along kicking and screaming for a while. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> she didn't. But my point is, guys, we did it kind of the opposite way. We didn't like have all these bubbly, goofy feelings up at the start, which are great. There's nothing wrong with that, guys. Those are wonderful feelings. But, but you know, Emily sought the wisdom of, of her family, the wisdom of people in her life. And then we, we, we served in ministry for quite a while together. And then God just kind of changed her heart. And I will say that when we were engaged, getting ready to get married, um, if you think of like all of those feelings that you hope should be there in the person you're going to marry, like, like I, I, I would walk, like we would walk into a room and other people would just start perspiring. Like it was so, there was so much, okay, maybe not. <laughs> I'm exaggerating a little bit. Guys, I'm just saying, don't worry, those feelings, ladies, men, they, they were there, like at the right time, at the right place, they were there. And when we got closer and closer to getting married, we had to start putting lots of like, trying, like just barriers in our life because it was so, there was so much desire to be intimate with each other. It was just almost, I mean, it was, it was overwhelming <laughs> to put it simple. Um, but yet when we got married, guys, it was awesome. It was, I, I went to this guy and I was like, man, it is worth the fight. It is so worth the fight. It's worth doing it the right way. So I don't know where you guys are, but I just want to encourage you. It is worth the fight. It is hard, guys, but it is so, so, so. And when I say guys, I mean guys and gals. So, um, so anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of conclude here with just a few last things. Um, so finally, um, God is a God of forgiveness and redemption. So the third point that I mentioned is God's ways are so much better than our ways. Like God is a God of forgiveness and redemption. Guys, if you've struggled in this area, whether in marriage or whether other things. 
go to the Lord and say, just confess your sin and give it to him and stop holding on to that. God is not a God of condemnation. He's not a God of guilt. Satan is the accuser. Satan wants to rub your, our failings in, in our faces. He wants to make us feel horrible. Commit yourself to living the Lord, you know, to, to, to striving for, for purity um, the rest of your life, you know, and make it, make it a commitment and God will honor that. Um, you know, his forgiveness is amazing. God wants all of us to lay our sins and pride at the foot of the cross. Um, look at the, uh, look at people God chose. This is interesting. Look at God, the people God chose to bring Christ in the world. Have you guys ever read through the genealogy of Jesus? There was some really messed up stuff going on, guys. Lots of sin, lots of brokenness, lots of heart, like just craziness. But yet God used that. God moved in the midst of that. So if you come from a light, you know, if your family or if your friends or wherever, like God will use that when you just let him, right? So don't, don't live in condemnation. Uh, when, we, when we repent, he is faithful to forgive us. So there's a ministry. I'm just going to end on this. Um, there's a ministry called Reengage. This is for married couples. Uh, we actually also are going to have. We do have premarital uh, ministry as well. So, but this ministry for Reengage. Um, Jason, would you mind pulling up this video? I just want to show you one example of a marriage that um, I think the world would probably have written off. You know, the world would say. Get out! Get the, find the exit. You know, get out, get out. And guys, I have been blown away at the brokenness that God will take, and just the healing He will put in, and just the the amazing restoration that comes from Christ is absolutely unbelievable. It is such a beautiful thing. So we're just going to show this short video, and this talks about like you you'll just get to see firsthand of of how God has healed some a broken marriage, and then we'll end. So guys, I just want to encourage y'all. That is just one of many, many stories of God healing, God restoring, God redeeming. Um, you know, God's design for marriage is so much better than, than what we could make of it. Um, so I hope, uh, I hope tonight that you've been able to kind of just, maybe that the Lord has stirred in your heart and maybe hopefully just made, renewed your commitment to seek and honor God in your life and to, to live for him 110%, you know. Um, it's worth it. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pray, and then I think Ross is going to come back up. So. Um, Lord God, thank you so much for letting us get to spend a little time talking about your word and just the differences between the world's ways of doing things and God's ways of just healing brokenness, Lord. I pray that uh, you would just be honored and glorified uh, in the days and, and weeks and future to come, Lord, and that we would be able to set our pride aside, to set our, 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 our own human wisdom aside and to just seek you for, for everything, Lord. You're such a good God and we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.